Good morning. I am so glad that you are at Central Church today. We are wrapping up the Gospel of John. It's just this week and next week. We are up to John chapter 20, which is the resurrection story. So it is. This is like Easter. It's Easter in August. You've heard of Christmas in July. It's Easter in August. So first day, early in the morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. Now, in John's account, it's just Mary going. If you read the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's other women who are going. Why, why, does, why does John only have Mary Magdalene going? John knows there's other women that went. In fact, we know that he knows that because when Mary go, rushes back, the tomb is empty, she goes and tells the disciples, Peter and John, in verses 3, chapter, or verse 2 rather, she goes to them and running, he says, they have taken our Lord out of the tomb and we, not I, and we, plural, and we don't know where they put him. So, so he's including in that uh, story that there was probably others with Mary, but his focus is only on Mary. So the question is, why? Why does John only have Mary Magdalene going to the tomb? In fact, we're first introduced to Mary Magdalene in John's gospel, just 13 verses earlier in chapter 19. She's at Golgotha, she's at the cross. That's the first time he ever mentions Mary Magdalene is at the cross. And now 13 verses later, she's the only one going to the tomb. Why? That's my question. If you want the dirt, literally, on Mary, you have to go to Luke's gospel. And in Luke's gospel, he tells us that Mary Magdalene, in chapter 8, verse 2, had seven spirits thrown out of her. In Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 16, Verse, verse uh, uh, 9, I believe. It also says that Mary was the first one at the tomb and that she had, she's the one, remember, she's the one who had seven demons driven out of her. We would say that Mary Magdalene was full of the devil before she met Jesus, right? Her life is a mess. Now, Pope Gregory, if you want to know the, the, the whole story, Pope Gregory in the 6th century, he, he labeled her as a prostitute. If you're a fan of Jesus Christ Superstar, they kind of lead and suggest that she's a prostitute, but nowhere in the scripture does it say that. All it says is she had seven demons. She was a mess. Whether she was a prostitute or not, I don't know, but what I do know is she was a mess before she met Jesus. She was full of the devil before she met Jesus. And now, John has her, only her going to this empty tomb. And she gets there and, and she rushes back and tells the disciples. And then I love how John tells his story. Verse three, so Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. Both were running after, the, uh, both were running, but the other disciple, that's John, he's writing about himself. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I love that. John is writing, this is the last gospel written, right? He's writing, could be toward the end of the first century. Most of the, the eyewitnesses to Jesus, they're dying off or being martyred for the faith. Peter has long since been martyred. Remember, Peter wanted to be, he was crucified, but he, he didn't want to be crucified in the same manner as Jesus, so he was crucified, legend says, upside down. Peter has long since gotten to heaven. And John's writing, he's remembering this. He goes, you know, I remember on that Easter morning, guess who came in first place in the race? It wasn't Peter, it was me. <laughs> last night, last night, I was, I was at my high school, I've never gone to a high school reunion. Last night was our high school reunion. 
uh, 40 years. So we went, Carla and I went down. Carla had just a lovely time. Oh my, the spouses at high school reunions, they have a great time. And so she put up with it and we went to the first time. I'd never seen these people in 40 years. And they're all reminiscing about stuff that I have long since forgotten. John, he's telling, I remember who got there first. I want to go to Carla's high school reunion. She won't, because I know what's going to happen. Because I'm going to go and I'm going to see, you know, I, I know, this is how it will work. I'll see a guy that's, you know, flipping burgers or something for the last 40 years. And, and you know, she probably dated or something. I'll say, Carla, look at that guy. You could have married him. <laughs> He's flipping burgers for the last 40 years. And I know exactly what she's going to say. She's going to say, listen, if I married him, he would be successful and you'd be flipping burgers. <laughs> I know how it works at my house. I got to get back to the story. Here we go. So Peter comes in second place, but John doesn't go in. He bent over, verse five, he bent over, looked in and saw the strips of linen lying there, but didn't go in. Ah, afraid to catch John. Then Simon Peter came along, finally, 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 (laughs) slacker. Finally, he came along behind him and he went straight in the tomb. And he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. This, is, this is, indicates this isn't grave robbers. This isn't somebody that just came in. They would, you know, just throw stuff anywhere. No, everything is folded linen right where it's supposed to be. Finally, the other disciple, John himself, finally, Brady Cat John, who reached the tomb first, in case you forgot, <laughs> he got there first, also went inside, He saw and believed. But what did he believe? Did he believe he has risen? Okay, you are just so slow. I don't know if it's, maybe you didn't have enough coffee this morning. I don't know what it is. Did he believe that he has risen? Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm not so sure. Because look at at verse 9. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. They believed that he was missing. They believed he wasn't there. They believed, you know, where in the world is Jesus? And then look at verse 10. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Oh, I guess Jesus didn't hear. What do you want to do? Man, I'm hungry. Let's go back. I'll race you. What in the world? You would think, you would think, wouldn't you think John and Peter... They look in, there's, there's no Jesus. Things are folded up. Don't you think they'd, they'd at least inquire about something to somebody? Don't you think they would, I don't know, if they thought that he was raised from the dead, don't you think they'd go, maybe, maybe Jesus went back to the Garden of Gethsemane. Maybe he went to the Sea of Galilee. You know how we love the Sea of Galilee. Maybe he went home to Nazareth. We need to make plans. No, well, let's just go back to where we're staying. Let's go, you know, we can play some Farkle or something. I don't know, let's go. But Mary, 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 where are we at? Verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. That Greek word there for crying is kailusa. Kailusa is much more than just, you know, a little whimper. Uh, it is wailing. That's kailusa. Kailusa is uh, what you do on the absolute worst day of your life. Kailusa is what you do when you think the world is crashing around you. That's kailusa. She is wailing. When I think of that, I think of, I, I told you that funeral I did a year ago in the, a 
poor, it's tragic, tragic, tragic situation. And the little boy was drowned, four years old, and they had just this little grave. And the mother finally got to the, to the cemetery and they had placed, you know, artificial turf on the ground. And that mother got down. As soon as she got to the cemetery, she got down in front of that little tiny grave. She was just wailing. Like you could hear her for miles. I'm sure you couldn't, but it seemed that way. She was wailing. Bitter tears. That's what this is about. Bitter tears. Martha is wailing outside the tomb. And she went, but she confronted. Notice what she does. She bent over and looked in the tomb. She confronted her grief. She's wailing. Every, Peter and John, they took off. What's wrong with them? It brings to mind another time, and there's a cemetery in John's gospel. That happened in John chapter 11. There was another person crying. Do you remember who that was? Jesus, the shortest verse in the Bible, right? Jesus wept. Jesus also confronted death that day. He said, Lazarus, come out. But on this occasion, Mary went in. She was wept and she bent. She looked in the tomb. And there she saw, where she saw two angels in white. Seated where Jesus' body had been, one in his head and one in his foot. Well, these guys weren't here a couple minutes ago. Why didn't, here's a question. Why didn't the angels show up when Peter and John were there? Right, Peter and John are the, probably the closest disciples to Jesus. Right, Peter is the, is the one Jesus said, on this rock, I'm going to build the church. And John was the only disciple that was at Golgotha. John is the one that Jesus looked and said, John, take care of my mom. Mom, here's your son. Remember that? You could make the case, and very arguably, very strongly, that these are the two closest disciples to Jesus. But the angels weren't there for them. What happened? Was their flight out of heaven delayed? You know, there's a lot of delays. No, I, was God late? No, the answer to that, no, God's never late. No, what, what this indicates is that these angels wanted to talk to Mary. Remember who Mary is. She's the one that was full of the devil. She's the one that, that was wailing. Well, the angels show up and what do they say? Woman, why are you crying? <laughs> what a stupid question in a cemetery. These are angels for crying out loud. They're in a cemetery. You would not go up to someone in a cemetery and say, hey, why are you crying? But that's what they say. And she, talk, she talks to them as casually as you might, uh, someone on a, you know, on a sunny afternoon, might, how you might talk to your mailman or something like that when they come by. Usually, what happens when angels show up? People are fearful. When Gabriel showed up to Mary, what was the first words out of Gabriel's mouth? Fear not, Mary. When the angels showed up to the shepherds on the night that Jesus was born, remember the sky is, is, is lit up with angels, and what do they say to the shepherds? Very first thing, fear not, we bring you good tidings of great joy, right? Mary, Mary, Mary doesn't say, she just talks to the angels. Why are you here? I think what's happening here is grief, her grief was so intense that she didn't have the emotional energy to be fearful, right? She's wailing. She's thinking that someone stole Jesus' body. She doesn't know where he is. And so they, they ask her why she's crying and, 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 and she's, she's, she's stumbling around. They've taken my Lord away. I don't know where they put him. 
Now Mary's about to have a miracle happen. Remember, she's wailing bitter tears, worst day of her life type of experience, a type of thing that you don't want. And she's about to have, she's about to have what I call a, a, a Psalm 35 miracle. Psalm 35 says, weeping may stay for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Have you been there? Have you been on the worst day of your life and you think it's not going to end and you don't know the answer and you're just, it's a dark cloud hanging over? Now, being at my high school reunion, it reminded me of an experience I had when I was going into the 10th grade, sophomore. Oh, man, I was so upset. I was so worried because in 10th grade at my high school, Garden City West High School, West is best, East is least, at my high school, one of the required classes was swimming. And as a 10th grader, I didn't know how to swim. And I thought, how in the world am I gonna take swimming class? I don't know how to swim. My parents, they knew I didn't know how to swim. When I was, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years old, 10 maybe, they put me in swimming class at the Parks and Rec Department in our city. I flunked out. How do you flunk out of swimming class? I flunked out. I still didn't know how to swim. And so I was so nervous about that. And I had worked it up in my brain how terrible this was going to be. And I was a, you know, a pretty good student and I hadn't gotten a B yet. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get a big, fat, juicy F. I just knew it. And probably worse of all, I knew, you know, like how high schools are. They probably still are. You know, there's going to be whispers. You know, Rob Prince doesn't know how to swim. He doesn't know how to swim. He's a good looking kid, but he doesn't know how to swim. <laughs> I don't know they would have said that. He didn't know how to swim. I was so nervous. I remember going into the boys' locker room and just throwing up all over the place before my first class. So I was just, I was, I was tied up in knots. So Mary he is, here's, here's what I've learned. Here's what I think you're gonna learn. If you're going through it, if you're going through it right now, one of those worst dark times, storms don't last. Usually, not always, usually, we make them into a bigger deal than what they really are. Second thing I know about storms is usually, usually, not always, usually, we come out stronger than we were before, especially if we have Jesus. If you have Jesus by your side, you're going to come through that storm. Jesus doesn't promise that we won't go through storms, but he does promise us that he'll be with us in those storms. And we'll be stronger with them. So that's what's going on here. You know, back to Mary, Mary, Mary. She's a mess. And angels are saying, you know, why are you crying? Here's why I think John includes Mary Magdalene. Why he doesn't mention any of the other women. Mary. Former, full of the devil Mary. Bible scholars think that there are about 300 million people on the planet in the first century. Now there's what's, you know, 7 billion then 300 million. I think the one person that needed to see Jesus the most on the entire planet, number one out of 300 million, was Mary Magdalene. She's wailing bitterly. Worst day of her life. A miracle's about to happen. Verse 14, verse 14. At this... 
soon as she said, I don't know where Jesus is at this, she turned around and saw Jesus. But check this out. But she didn't realize that it was Jesus. How could she not know it was Jesus? She's wailing because Jesus is dead. They don't know where they take him. She turns around. Ah, there's Jesus. But she doesn't know it's, how can she not know it's Jesus? You know, grief can blind us so deeply. I think that's where she's, she's just so wrapped up in this awful grief. Let me make a commercial. One of those classes that is starting on September 7th is Grief Share. And our own Peggy Hammond sitting right over there, she's had over 1,000 people come through Grief Share. And she has helped over 1,000 people. And if you've suffered loss, if you've gone through it, yes, you can give her a hand. That's awesome. I told Peggy this morning, one of the best things we do at this church is grief share, and it's through her and some of the others that help her, and that is a wonderful program. If you know someone that has experienced loss and is struggling, encourage them to come on September 7th to grief share, because they will be taken care of, and they will be loved, and they'll be cared for, and they'll see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Her grief was so intense, she didn't even recognize it's Jesus, and Jesus, notice what Jesus says to her. He says, woman, why are you crying? He says the same thing the angels say. Do you know, this is the only, there's only one other place in, in, in John's gospel where Jesus refers to someone like this, like woman. Even the woman at the well, he doesn't refer to her woman. He doesn't say that. You know where the other place is? It's way back in John chapter 2. At the very beginning of his ministry, it's when Mary comes to him and says, hey, listen, we got a problem here. They've run out of wine. And Jesus looks at her in John 2 verse 4 and says, woman, why do you involve me? He knew, just as he knew it was his mother, Mary, he knows Mary Magdalene. And he says, woman, John, it doesn't, this is, John is very intentional. And he's wanting to think us, link us back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry. When at the very, very beginning, when he turns the water into wine, first miracle, and now at the very, very end, he's in the garden. And he says, woman, why do you involve me? And you know what Mary's thinking? Verse 15 says, she's thinking he's the gardener. Why in the world would she think he's the gardener? John does something that, that Mark and Matthew and Luke don't do. He tells us that Jesus was in a garden, that the tomb was in a garden. In fact, if you turn back to chapter 19 and, and verses 40 and 41, it tells us about when Joseph of Arimathea and, and, and uh, Nicodemus take Jesus' cold, dead body and place him in a tomb. And this is what it says. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. And at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. So Jesus is in the garden. What's the big deal? John is very intentional. Remember how he begins the gospel? In the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God. It hearkens us back. He doesn't talk about, you know, the birth narratives. He doesn't talk about angels and shepherds and stuff like that. He goes all the way back to the very, very beginning. How does the Bible begin? Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
What's at the beginning of Genesis? A garden. Garden of Eden. What's at the end? A garden. Jesus has come. What happened in the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve, remember, they, 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 they broke the covenant with God. They took the bite of the apple. They destroyed paradise lost. A curse came on the earth. Death was introduced. And you and me, we've been just like Adam and Eve. We've listened to the whisper of the evil one. We've done what we knew was wrong. We've, we've broken the covenant. But John says, guess what? Jesus comes back to the garden. Jesus is restoring that which was broken. Jesus is renewing that which was lost. Jesus is bringing hope that which was hopeless. Paul, in his gospel, he refers to Jesus as the second Adam. And that's what's going on here. Jesus, the second Adam, he's come back. God in flesh and bones has come to this earth to renew, to restore, to redeem that which was broken. That's the whole gospel right here. And Mary, this Mary who is, who is full of the devil, is experiencing that. She turns to him, she thinks he's the gardener. And she says to him, sir, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him so that I might find what's she going to do? How's she going to drag the cold, dead body of Jesus back? And in that moment, Jesus looks, to, turns to her and says, Mary. And when he says Mary, all that grief is washed away. Do you remember... Do you remember in Luke's gospel, Luke's talking about the good shepherd, and he says the good shepherd knows the sheep, and the sheep know the good shepherd's voice. And when Jesus says, Mary, she does what you and I would do. She grabs a hold of him, right? And, and, and John says she turns towards him, and she cried out in, in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means she, she grabs him, she says, Jesus, I'm going to grab a hold of you, and I'm never going to let you go. It's interesting that Luke again, or John again refers to it. She says he turns to him in verse 16, right? She turns to Jesus. In verse 14, he already said she turned to Jesus. So she's not twirling around. What's happening? John is saying she turned, she turned from her sorrow to joy. She turned from her grief to, to, to glorious hope. She turned from, from her desperation to realization that Jesus is alive. She turned to him, grabbed a hold of him, said, I never want to let you go. And of course, Jesus then responds and says, don't hold on to me. For I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And thereby, thereby commissioning Mary Magdalene, of all people, the one who is full of the devil, to be the first evangelist to be the first witness of the resurrection don't tell me you can't do something because of your past don't tell me you can't do something because of this or that he went to Mary Magdalene woman full of the devil and said listen I want you to go and tell the boys and tell everybody <sighs> you're right Bob glory tell them that he is risen Absolutely. So she does just that. Verse 18 says, Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. 
I have seen the Lord. And she told them that them these things that he had said to her. It reminds me of the Sandy Patty song with Arnold Harris, you know, I've just seen Jesus, I tell you, he's, remember that song? It used to bring goosebumps to my neck whenever she, they would sing that song. I've just seen Jesus. He's alive. Woo-hoo! Listen, some of you today may be going through that dark and awful place and you need to encounter Jesus. It may be that there's a storm clouds over your head. You can't sleep, you can't eat. It's the first thing you think about, it's the last thing you do. You need an encounter with Jesus. You need to hear him say your name. Like he told Mary her name. He needed him to look at you and say, Rob, you're going to make it. Rob, this storm may be brewing, but guess what? Joy comes in the morning. Just hold on. Joy comes in the morning, Rob. Just hold on. Or it may be that you're here and you have never really encountered Jesus. And all this stuff you're talking about, you're just dipping your toes in faith. Can I tell you, you can encounter Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ is alive. And you can trust in Jesus. Joel and the band, they're going to come up. And they're going to sing a song. And you can join in if you want. It's a great song. It's it's it's, It's one that was popular several years ago now. But it talks about, it's, a, it's, a, it's an Easter song. Because it's August and Easter. And we're celebrating the good news that Jesus is alive. And if, you just want, if you're just going through it and you need to pray, by all means, you can come up here and pray. But if you want to pray in your pew, that's okay too. And on, on your way out after the benediction, because it's Easter in August, I thought, how can, we, how can I remind folks that it's Easter in August? I wasn't going to give you peeps because, you know, that would be whispers from the evil one. And so instead you'll get, you'll get some jelly beans to just remind you it's Easter in August. So when you eat those jelly bellies, remember it's Easter in August. It's Easter in August. Listen to this song as they remind us again.